You are listening to What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Welcome back to yet another episode of What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Today we will be reviewing Halloween from 1978 and Halloween 2 from 1981. So we will be first talking about Halloween from 78. So since this is Tim's movie, take it away, Tim. All right. Starts off on Halloween night in 1963 in a fictional town of Haddonfield, Illinois. Six-year-old Michael Myers, watching through the window, notices his uh, sister um, having relations with some guy. And then after he leaves, Michael Myers goes into his sister's room and stabs her, her with a knife repeatedly until with the kitchen knife until she dies. Then he comes outside to what we assume is his parents as they're getting home, and he walks up to them with his, with his mask and stuff on and just looks like he's just walking out of the house. But then uh, police show up and everything, and he is uh, incarcerated at the Smith Grove Sanitarium. And then on October 30th, 1978, Michael psychiatrist Samuel Loomis and his colleague Marianne Cham- Chambers arrive at the sanitarium to escort Michael to court for a hearing. And he keeps telling her that he doesn't want to get out. He's pure evil. And he's going on and on about this. And she's like, well, what do you want me to do? And he goes, want you to sedate him. But if he's sedated that much, then he won't be able to speak on his behalf. Do you not want him to get out? And she, he's like, you know, I don't. So as Loomis is hoping for the outcome of the hearing, Mike will never be released from Smith's Grove. However, when they're pulling in, some of, it looks like uh, something's happened at the sanitarium, and uh, Michael ends up attacking her. She hops out of the car and runs away a little bit. Doesn't kill her, but it winds up stealing the car and escapes Smith's Groves. And then um, later you find out that uh, Loomis finds a truck on the side of the road. He killed a mechanic and stole his overhauls for on the way back to Haddonfield. Upon returning home, Michael steals a white, expressionless mask from a hardware store and on halloween he sees a high school student Lori strode dropped off a key at a long abandoned house which is his old house the Myers house that her father is trying to sell Lori notices michael stalking her throughout the day but her friends annie brackett and linda vanderklonk <laughs> i thought that name was hilarious dismiss her concerns loomis arrives in haddonfield in search of michael and finds judas tombstones missing from the cemetery he meets annie's father sheriff lay bracket and they investigate michael's house where loomis tells bracket michael is pure evil bracket doubtful of the danger goes on to patrol the streets but he does threaten to not do it because he thinks it's there's no proof that he's there while Loomis uh, waits at the house, expecting Michael to return, Lori babysits Tommy Doyle. Uh, Annie babysits Lindsay Wallace across the street. Michael follows them, spying on Annie and killing the Wallace's dog. Tommy sees Michael from the window and thinks that he is the boogeyman. When she gets out of the car, Michael appears from the back seat, strangling her and slitting her throat. Soon after, Linda and her boyfriend Bob Sims arrive at the Wallace house and find it empty. After having sex, Bob goes downstairs to get a beer where Michael pins into the wall with a kitchen knife after he lifts him up in the air with one hand, and then he pins into the wall with the other. Michael then poses as Bob in a ghost costume in front of Linda and confronts Linda, who teases him, you know, sexually to, with no effect. Annoyed, she calls Lori to find out what happened to Annie. Michael proceeds to strangle Linda with the phone cord, while Lori listens on the other, thinking it was a joke, 
or that it actually kind of sounds like the moaning and squealing almost sounds like she's having sex. So meanwhile, Loomis discovers the stolen car and begins to search the streets. So suspicious of the phone call, Lori goes to Wallace's house across the street and find her friend's bodies. One of them with Judas headstone and on the bed with the one friend finds one of the other girls in the closet uh, in a little cupboard closet thing. And then as she backs up uh, the boyfriend there falls down hanging from the ceiling by his feet uh, she flees away in terror where suddenly michael suddenly appears in the dark and slashes her arm causing her to fall over the stairway banister only scratches her arm and cuts her shirt but she fell hard she narrowly escapes and runs back to the doyle house but lost her keys to the front door when she fell off the staircase she has to throw throw something up toward the window to wake up tommy because he's not hearing her because he's sleeping in there uh, him and the little girl are sleeping. Tommy lets her in just in the nick of time and she orders him and Lindsay to hide, only to find the phone is dead when she tries to call for help. Michael sneaks through the window and attacks her again, but she inca- incapacitates him by stabbing him in the neck with a knitting eagle. Thinking he's dead, she has a knife for a minute and then puts it down. She staggers upstairs to check on the kids, but she's shocked to see Michael still alive. She tells the kids to hide in the bathroom while Lori hides in the bedroom closet. But she's making all kinds of noise in there because she can't control her breathing. (laughs) And Michael finds her and breaks in. So she stabs him in the eye with a coat hanger and in the chest with his own knife. She then tells Tommy and Lindsay to go down the street to the neighbor's house to call the police. After they leave, Michael does like this undertaker sit up and comes back. Michael awakens once again and slowly approaches an unsuspecting Lori. Loomis sees the kids running from the house and investigates, finding Michael and Lori fighting upstairs. Lori rips off Michael's mask, making him hesitate and put it back on. He backs away a little bit from her, giving Loomis an opportunity to shoot him. And he unloads his, uh, his revolver six times into his chest, knocking him off the balcony and out, out the window. Lori asks Loomis if Michael is the boogeyman, which Loomis confirms. He, and says yes <laughs> uh loomis walks to the balcony and looks down to see that michael has vanished unsurprised he stares off into the night as Lori begins to sob michael's breathing is hard under the montage of locations where he has, had recently been indicating he could be anywhere so in the end the killer's still at large but there is a there is a survivor so unfortunately yeah lots of death lots of killing lots of gore and yes, Lando, there are titties. So <laughs> that said, before I give it a rating, because I already said that, is that no, I don't really, this is like one of my favorite movies of, the, of this time period for sure. So really, that's my only real complaint about the movie is how did Loomis stay there for hours and not notice the side of that car <laughs> until then? Other than that, no. So yeah, before I give it a rating, Lando, what are your thoughts? Um, before I give my thoughts... I'll give the scores and everything here. Rotten Tomato gave it a 96 with an audience score of 89. Google gave it a 90. This had an estimated budget of $325,000. And it made about $47 million. So it made some pretty good money. <laughs> now when it comes to my thoughts, here's my first thought. Great fucking movie. But some things that I didn't like were that it seemed a bit fast-paced of a movie which is cool and all but a bit faster than i would personally like really didn't see michael or his mask in this movie that much not the best acting from jamie lee curtis especially when she was screaming and crying it just 
it just sounded horrible. It just didn't seem convincing to me. Other than that, I could see why she has been dubbed the Scream Queen. There wasn't really any gore from what I could tell with very little blood. The only blood I really saw was when Jamie Lee Curtis's character got caught in the arm. And yes, as already been said, there is definitely tits in this movie. (laughs) So yeah, with all that being said, it's a forgivable aging for this movie. So I gave it a five skull rating. I mean, it's a classic. I mean, it started a whole line of other genres out there. I also gave it a five skull rating. Um, Not only is it a good movie from the time period, but it's still a good movie today. I mean, we gave Jaws a really good rating too. And honestly, this is right there with it. If anything, actually, this one's a little bit more believable if you really want to think about it that way. So yeah, this is a five skull rating. This one aged extremely well for being such an old movie. You don't get that feel. The only thing that really gives away the age of the movie truthfully is a few of the uh things that are said you can tell there's a little age to that and the cars other than that you don't get that feel excellent movie 100 percent. yeah totally agreed so with that being said we will go on to halloween 2 from 1981 this film begins with the last few scenes from the original and then from here the film is entirely new after all that loomis rushes out to the lawn and finds that Michael has vanished, leaving behind only a bloody imprint in the grass. He instructs a neighbor to phone the news to the police and runs off in search for Michael again. After the opening credits, which similar to the same movie that we just talked about, showing the jack-o'-lantern and the slow reveal of a human skull. So unbeknownst to Dr. Loomis, Michael is actually nearby watching him loomis ends up meeting sheriff bracket and they drive off in another direction and search for michael michael then sneaks into a nearby house and steals the kitchen knife from a neighbor woman down the street michael sees a young girl by the name of alice outside and stalks her inside alice is speaking on the phone with a friend who informs her of the murders alice switches on the radio and is shocked by the news when she suddenly sees that the back door is creaked open afraid alice ventures into the living room where myers jumps out and thrusts his kitchen knife into her chest causing blood to spur onto her neck paramedics arrive at the doyle house and take Lori away on a stretcher she appears to be in shock and she begs them not to put her to sleep the two EMTs who are Bud and Jimmy. Jimmy is the younger one and he immediately takes interest in Lori and is concerned and obviously distressed that someone close to him in age has been attacked in their small town. They take her to the hospital where she she is tended by a half-drunk doctor mixter. Head nurse Mrs. Elves, can't remember how to say her last name, and then the RN Jill. Meanwhile, Loomis and Brackett circle the neighborhood and happen upon a young man wearing a white mask similar to the one that Michael was wearing. In a freak accident, they pursue him, but an approaching patrol car crashes into him and then into the side of a van. A violent explosion just incinerates the body 
One of the approaching patrolmen, Deputy Hunt, has come to tell Brackett that the bad news about his daughter is among one of those that has been murdered by Michael. They drive off to the location so that Brackett can identify his daughter. Brackett, in shock at finding his daughter dead, blames Loomis for allowing Michael to escape, and he parts for his home, leaving Hunt in charge. Loomis convinces Hunt that Michael could possibly still be alive since they are uncertain who actually was struck and killed by the patrol car. Another young nurse, Karen, who works in the nursery, arrives at the hospital after staying too late at at a Halloween party. She is sharply reprimanded by the head nurse, even as they are both unaware that Michael is lurking in the hospital watching them. Earlier, Michael overheard a radio broadcast announcing that Lori was taken to the hospital and has followed her there. Jimmy tries to be alone with Lori, both to console her and to get closer to her. He reveals to her that the crazy man who was pursuing her earlier, Michael, who escaped from the mental hospital the previous night. Lori is confused and does not understand why she seems to have been targeted by Michael. The head nurse interrupts and sends Jimmy away, then discovers that the phones are suddenly out of service. The security guard, Mr. Garrett, explores the basement and rear of the hospital to search for the trouble, and after he searches one of the closet, Michael suddenly leaps out and kills him by bashing him over the head the back of a hammer. Mr. Garrett's death goes unnoticed despite the presence of a nursing assistant named Janet. Across town, Loomis and Hunt investigate a break-in at the local elementary school and find Michael Myers has been there. A child's drawing of a family has been stuck with a butcher knife right in the image of a sister, and the word Sam Hain has been written in blood on the chalkboard. Loomis remarks on the Celtic origins of the word and he is surprised when Marion Chambers approaches him. Nurse Chambers, who was with Loomis the previous night when Michael made his escape, has been sent with a marshal to return Loomis to Haddonfield on orders from the governor. Loomis is forcefully taken away while Hunt promises to find Michael. Meanwhile, Michael continues to murder the staff at the hospital. Bud and Karen attempt to make Love in the hospital therapy pool, but Myers turns up the temperature until Bud gets out to check it. After strangling Bud to death, he approaches Karen from behind and he holds her headfirst into the scalding hot water until she drowns. The flesh peels away from her face and everything is pretty disgusting and pretty cool. Lori has a reaction to her medication and goes into shock. And when Janet goes to get Dr. Mixter, She finds him dead in his private office with a needle thrusted into his eyeball. Michael appears behind Janet and grabs her, thrusting another needle into her temple until she too falls dead. Jimmy goes off to find help when nobody returns and Jill is summoned by another patient. While she is gone, Michael enters Laura's room and stabs at her bed, but she is gone. And it turned out to be that she was only pretending to have a reaction to the medication when jill returns to find the room empty hindered by a cracked ankle and dazed from the drug 
Lori limps through the now quiet halls of the hospital, looking for a safe place to hide. Jimmy appears and sends Jill off to get help, telling her to drive into town and bring back the police. But after she leaves, she finds the bodies of the head nurse nearby in an operating room, tied to the table with an IV tube in her arm, having drained all her blood onto the floor. Suddenly, Jimmy ends up panicking and he tries to run, but he slips in the blood and falls on the back of his head, rendering him unconscious and everything. Jill attempts to leave the hospital, but finds all the cars in the parking lot are disabled with their tires slashed. After she runs back into the hospital, she sees Lori in the hallway and tries to reach her, but Michael appears after resting for a while in one of the vacant rooms and kills her with a scalpel to her back. Lori witnesses it and is terrified into action. She runs through the halls with Michael behind her. Rushing down the stairwell into the basement, Lori corners herself into the boiler room and must climb through a small window near the ceiling to escape. Michael almost slashing at her ankles. After nearly cornering her again in an elevator, Lori escapes and rushes into the parking lot, hiding in a parked car. In Marshall's car, Marion has a discussion with Dr. Loomis where she reveals information that he did not previously know. And that's when she tells him that Lori Strode is actually the sister of Michael Myers, born two years before Michael's original crime and adopted after the death of the parents two years after. Loomis immediately understands that Michael is after Lori for a reason, and he ends up pulling out a gun and pointing it at the marshal's head, forcing him to take him back to the hospital. In the parking lot of the hospital, Lori sees a dark shape open the car door and get inside. It turns out to be Jimmy. He tries to start the car and cannot. Lori tries to talk to him, but he falls over onto the wheel and passes out again. The horn goes off and Lori panics again, her hiding place revealed. She tries to leave the car and falls in the parking lot, still dazed. As she lays there, the marshal's car pulls up with Loomis, Marion, and the marshal getting out and go into the hospital. Lori cannot cry out until it's too late, and they are all inside, pulling the doors shut behind them. As she tries to get on her feet, Michael appears across the parking lot, walking slowly towards her. Lori runs to the doors and bangs on them, screaming, and it attracts the attention of the others. They let her inside, and Myers walks right through the glass doors. Loomis shoots him with his gun, and he falls over, pretending to be dead. After sending Marion out to the marshal's car to use the radio for summoning the police, Loomis turns to comfort Lori. Michael rises up again and slits the throat of the marshal with the scalpel and ends up chasing Loomis and Lori deeper into the hospital. They corner themselves in an operating room. As Michael breaks down the door, Loomis gives Lori his gun, which only has two shots left in it. When Michael gets in, he stabs Loomis in the stomach. Loomis falls over. Lori tries to stop Michael by calling his name, which he stops for a minute to look at her, but he soon advances on her again, and she shoots him in the eyes, blinded. He starts 
swing in the scalpel wildly. Loomis struggles to his feet and begins releasing oxygen into the room from many of the tanks on the walls. Lori follows suit until the doctor tells her to run. She bolts from the room and runs down the hall as Loomis ignites his cigarette lighter, causing a huge explosion. Even from the inferno, Myers emerges and keeps walking towards Lori until the flames consume him and he falls. As the sky lightens into morning, Lori is taken outside of the hospital and placed into the back of an ambulance as reporters, authorities, and others watch. She stares blankly as the ambulance pulls away, seemingly in shock but alive. The final image of the film is the face of Michael's burning corpse. So, uh, yeah, that's it for this movie. So, I will give my thoughts after I give the ratings here. So, the ratings are from Rotten Tomato. They gave it a 31, which is kind of harsh. The audience score gave it a 63, which is Okay, I guess. Google gave it an 88. This movie had a budget of $2.5 million, and it made about $25.5 million. So with that, my overall thoughts here. Well, unlike the first one, this one was a bit slower paced, but does work out somehow if you were to watch them from back to back, since it does take after the first one. Still not a really bloody movie or a gore fest, which kind of sucked but still a good movie the acting from jamie lee curtis didn't change much in the three years from the first one yet again you do not see much of michael which makes me wonder why they even bothered having him part of the movie at all and finally we even get bigger and nicer tits in this one so that being said for this movie i gave it a five as well i mean i liked both of them it was my first time watching these. Yes, I said it. It was my first time watching these movies. Blow me. But anyways, yeah, I just love these movies. I love them both. Sue me. So with that being said, what are your overall thoughts there, Tim? I thought that not so much blood. There was a little bit of gore. I did like the fact that they did a little bit like with the scalding hot water. That was a little bit better that we actually got to see something actually happening. Not just like the after effects of something. Not not just screenplay. But um, yeah, it's a five skull rating for me too, because I think that these are iconic movies. They are a part of them. I mean, honestly, if you're watching them, I do recommend you watch these two in a row because it is almost like a part one and a part two of a movie. And the ending of this movie was obviously meant to be the end of the series. Everything beyond this movie had to be altered a little bit for that. So these are the two of this series that I think are must watches. That's my opinion on it. Yeah, five skulls. Yep. Well, that's all we got for these two movies. I mean, I got nothing else. So with that being said, if you have any horror movie suggestions, you can, as always, email us at whatinthehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on our Twitter. That's whatinthehorrorpodcast, all one word. You can also join our Discord. It's on the link tree as well. But as always, I've been your host, Lando. And I've been Tim. And we are... The fuck out of here! You were listening to What in the Horror. See you next time. <laughs>